we're going to be downstairs to do that. So we're going to um, hear about all the pieces of it, what it's about. That's next week. And here is the very important thing. In order to make sure that everybody has a seat so they can participate, we need you to sign up today and let us know if you're bringing somebody because they want to set up enough tables so that everybody has a spot. So uh, in the sign-up table out there, you can sign up for uh, if you're coming to the Seder next week. Even if you normally come every Sunday and you never miss, would you sign your name and how many people in your family so that um, the, the, the uh, crew that's doing that can be prepared? Um, at the same time on that table is home groups. I, I thought we were going to not do them today, but Susie was better than I. She was, she was on the ball. Robin was on the ball. I was not because I was like, I never told anybody to put sign-up sheets, but she remembered. So we're not doing sign-ups. We'll, we'll not, we're not doing them. I mean, we're going to sign up this week and next week, but they start the week of the most important thing right here is to know they start the week of April 28th. There's a couple changes on here. I know for sure one, we're not going to have one at our house this, this time around. Linda's going to do one back in South County. That's on the sign-up sheet. This is just incorrect because I gave them incorrect information, so I apologize. Um, the Wednesday one uh, is going to be at um, Sally's house. So we'll put that on there and her address, so you guys know that's a day one. The other two are the same as far as I know right now. But sign-ups, you can do them this week. Please get involved. It's a four-week session. Um, we're really digging into relationships. It takes time. You don't just get to know somebody once and then have this... Um, deep relationship with them. It takes, it takes seasons and seasons. So please get involved and um, be a part of our, yeah, and we're probably, we're not going to be doing traditional home groups during the summer. We're going to be doing some other things. So this is the last session of a real classic home group where we're getting together in somebody's home for four weeks in a row. Also, men's camp is in a couple weeks. It's actually the 26th, 27th, and 28th. So that's two weekends from today. Uh, if you have not signed up or paid yet, you need to see Paul. Everybody know who Paul is, right? Raise your hand, Paul. That's Paul. Make sure you get with him because he needs to get the money in. Um, if you wanted to go but you don't have the money, please don't hesitate to tell him, hey, I want to go but I just don't have the finances. Um, we have a little bit of a scholarship fund, so just ask. Ask, and um, we'll see what we can do for you. Also, today's the lunch. Today's the lunch. If you didn't bring something, please come anyway. This is another way that we break bread together. We are trying to push against a culture that has fences and garage doors where people drive in and shut your garage door and you go in your house. And it, we're, we're having to like bang against this wall of a culture that likes to just be inside their own little house. So in doing those things, that's why we have home groups. That's why we're doing the lunch. So even if it feels awkward and you're uncomfortable because you might not know people, Keep going. we got to break that culture and break down the walls um, that we put around ourselves. Uh, let's go ahead and get the offering ready. I want to remind you guys, too, that we have this benevolence fund up here, and this is something that we put aside for um, special situations that we need, either people in our community or people that maybe walk in. We're on a really busy street, a con uh, you know, like a corner here, and we don't want to... Um, you know, Jesus said to remember the poor, and he, they were even telling the one thing they wanted Paul to do is don't forget the poor. And he said, I, I, and I have not forgotten them. So we want to be ones that are ready to help the poor. So if you have um, anything you want to drop in the benevolence, um, we're going to take offering. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. You can do that. And another quick little reminder, too, 9 a.m., we meet in the back room to pray. And it's important. I <laughs> think that's probably... 
You know, all the things that happen on Sunday morning are very important, and that one's kind of hidden in the back on a nine, at 9 a.m., but it is another piece of our service that we, we start then praying. So, I mean, just um, pray for the offering. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people that live a spent life. Lord, that, it, that, it would, that our finances would just be an outward expression of what's going on on the inside of our heart, that we don't own anything. Lord, that we, um, we give it all to you. Lord, that we trust you with our finances, that we would give our first fruits to you, the very top portion, God, that we would um, honor you in that and honor what you've asked of us to do is to live a spent life, not just with finances, but that's part of it, God. Lord, that those that are struggling to be able to give, Lord, I pray that you would um, show them the mathematics about giving. Lord, the, 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 the truth about when we give, that you also will take care of our needs. Lord, those that are teetering on wanting to do this, but they feel afraid, God, would you, would you show them miracles of how you're going to take care of them as they give a portion of their finances away, God, to you to be spent on the kingdom? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm hoping to do a teaching sometime on this reality. I'd love for the Lord to give us like a challenge that we would have a, a, a church that would give the minimum of 10% of everything that we do because I know some statistics, it's like um, less than 20% I think of the church tithes. And, um, but if we all did, what, what could we do if all of our whole church started, everybody started giving 10%, we could take upon ourselves maybe an organization that we want to, to funnel finances into and see what God could do because really the government shouldn't be taking care of the poor. <laughs> the church should. The government shouldn't have to do that. We should be doing that. But, but we all have to get that in our minds that that's our responsibility. And if we could start asking the Lord to give us a challenge that was him, not just to have a challenge, but from him to like accomplish something with those finances. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an organization that needs to get off the ground that we believe in that we're like, we're gonna, we are all gonna commit that we're gonna tithe 10% and we're gonna give a portion of all of that to this place and watch it thrive from our giving. I don't know, I'm just asking the Lord about that because I, we're, we're not really taking some of our responsibilities that we should financially as the church. Um, so that's a little nugget of something that's going around in my brain. Um, family of the week. Are you doing it, Cassidy? Come on down. Um, I told, there he is. Okay. Good morning. So the family of the week, or family of the week, as I always say inside of my head. Family of the week is Justin and his lovely wife, Candace. Candace couldn't be with us this morning, but you can't pray for one without praying for the other. And we are so blessed and so grateful to have Justin as a part of this congregation. It's been an honor and a privilege to get to work with him for about a year, two years, one year. It's been a bit. It just feels like forever. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a blessing to have as part of our congregation. So the prayer points that they brought up, um, that they would like to experience more of God in a deeper way every single day, um, to encounter him, to see more of his beauty and his glory. Um, that's just such a passion. That's a true passion. 
We have somebody who is not just a singer, but a genuine, true worshiper. And that's the heart's cry, to just get to know the Father more intimately every single day. They'd like to be transformed, not the same tomorrow as they are today, not the same today as they were yesterday, just a continuing transformation in the Spirit. They'd like to grow in love, first and second greatest commandment, with both each other, with all of us, and again, more in love with Jesus every day that they'd have a spirit of excellence. That's not something I hear very often. So when I saw that phrase come through, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a pretty detail-oriented type A kind of person. And I love when people have a passion for excellence. And it shows in so many things that we do. Um, that's a really cool thing to have a heart for. Um, that they would walk out their lives in step with God's perfect plans. And then finally, Candace would like a new job. So as a congregation, if we could, if several of you guys could just get around Justin and lay hands on him. He's the head of the household, so he's the spiritual covering for Candace in her absence. Stacy, do you want, me, you want to pray or do you want me to lead a prayer? Okay. Father God, we thank you so much for Justin and for Candace. God, we thank you for their union. Lord, that you put two beautiful hearts together to make one family God, we just pray that you would pour out your heart and your love and your presence over their household, that every single day that they would fall more in love with you and that they would fall more in love with each other. God, we thank you for the hearts that you put in these two. Let them grow continuously, Lord. Pour out that spirit of excellence over both of them. Let them strive for it with peace. God, we pray that you would ease any anxiety or any stress in their household and their lives, that you would provide for them in miraculous ways. Lord, we know that you have the perfect job for Candace, that you understand the direction you want her and Justin to both go. Lord, provide them with a position for Candace so that they would be able to be in the place where you know you want them to be. Again, Lord, we just pray that you would continuously renew their hearts and their minds. Pour your love out over their home, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bind them together and bind them with you. Amen. Morning, everyone. Uh, we just we're going to have a really uh, awesome teaching today. Stacy and I wanted to kind of preface it. First of all, I want you guys to know that we love people, and Jesus loves people, but He also loves righteousness and truth. So we're going to try to do this this thing. We're going to take some of the celebration that happens around this time of year, some of the things that aren't biblical, out. We're still going to celebrate the resurrection. We're still going to honor the Lord in, in Passover and all that kind of thing. We just want to preface that. You know, again, last Sunday I asked, has anybody here ever been a Muslim? No Muslims. Okay, so I can't ask you. In Muslim and in the mosques, they don't celebrate Jesus. And the Muslims aren't upset or surprised that they're not celebrating Jesus. Same with the Jewish tradition in the synagogues. You're not going to go there at Christmas and expect to hear about baby Jesus in the manger. Not yet. It's going to come, but not yet. Okay, so we as a Christian church are not going to celebrate things that are not in line with the Word of God, with the Bible. That's it. So we're going to have a really unique teaching today on that whole thing. So we just wanted to preface again that we are walking in the obedience of the Lord. We're cleaning out the droves, as they say. When, when gold is purified, they heat it super hot so all the junk rises to the top and they scrape it off. 
then they keep cooking it, then they scrape it off more. Eventually it's 99.99% pure. So that's what's happening in our lives, in our church, in all of our lives as individuals as well. So we just want to let you know that. Um, I wanted to read this to you to give you some other, just trying to give some introduction for our teaching today. If you come into our church and you are a visitor, you get a gift, a, a, a little book, and you also get one of these pieces of paper. Now, because all of you are not visitors, you probably haven't read this piece of paper, so I'd like to take a second to read it to you. Welcome to Worldview Community Church. We are so glad that you joined us. We pray that you experience Jesus in a meaningful and impacting way today. Even though our room is set up in a typical row-style model, we consider this our living room, a place where people gather together for community. We hope you feel welcomed. And here's the part. Services are varied because we value genuine interaction with each other and with God. We allow time for the movement of the Holy Spirit without confining him to a specific structure of time frame. Typically, we will have an extended time of worship and prayer accompanied by teaching. Beside that, we like to keep things fluid. What you experience today may be something completely different than what you experienced last week. And it goes on. So this week will be a little different. We're going to be fluid. We are um, going to have a teaching that's going to be experienced through um, multiple different voices. And uh, we're going to have time for a panel at the end. So as you're handed a, um, you should be being handed a, a handout. Um, make sure that you take time to ask your questions because at the end we're going to have a panel and we're opening it up for discussion and question and we want to hear your questions. Um, so I know there's lots of stuff going on behind me. Um, so make sure you're writing down your questions. And I also want you to notice something that's very interesting. Robin's going to talk a little bit more about it. But if you guys know that we are talking about something from Ephesians 4, it's been kind of on our agenda lately. Do you guys remember what, what it is that we're talking about, what we call that, those gift mixes? What do we call them? Fivefold ministry. Fivefold or ascension gifts, people call them that. So I want you to see today that we're going to be hearing from five different voices. And how many of the, of the ascension gifts are there? Five. So be listening today because you're going to hear from the heart of an evangelist. You're going to hear from the heart of an apostle. You're going to hear from a heart that has a prophetic bent, one that is a teacher, and the shepherd heart. And it's really interesting because this is, you're going to get a little bit of a view of what it looks like to have all five of these voices moving together, working together, complementing one another, so that, what does it say, that we grow up into the head, that we're, it's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Um, so we're going to see some of that today. So I'm going to... I um, just want to give you preface so you know what to expect here. I'm going to hand this off to Robin, and we're going to get moving. And I was going to do intro, <laughs> but what is cool was, because I had already planned on that, and then Stacy said, well, I wanted to say a little something. Rich wants to say a little something. I'm just show, I just want you guys to see it's so in the heart of the Lord right now that so many people are excited about what's about to happen, <laughs> you know, about the church really becoming the church and being a Jesus follower, a God follower, not a world follower. And that's what we're really going to try to establish today. And what was cool is Susie and I started brainstorming about this 
because we're working on the Passover Seder celebration next week, okay? So all of this is kind of in preparation for that. But as we were doing it, like Stacy said, it was just different people had different pieces that they were like, but this and this and it. So we started pulling them all together and we realized what Stacy was saying about this being a pest. I'm telling you, it just kind of happened. And what I love about that is it, when Jesus was um, on the earth, he taught his disciples from a different mindset than what we get taught from. We're used to somebody coming up with their, their little outline or whatever, you know, and it's line by line, topic by topic, and they go through that thing, right? And then we walk out thinking, ooh, we just learned something today, and you go put it in your pocket, and off into the world you go. And that's not how Jesus taught. <laughs> that's not how he even taught his own disciples. He taught them by parables, by stories, by examples. And part of the Hebrew culture and the Hebrew teaching is, they, I loved it, Evelyn Kinsella, if you guys were here and got to be in any of her teaching, you know what I'm talking about right now, so it's kind of a little hard to explain, but she had a slinky, and she would lay it over this, um, this glass so you could see. It was circular. Their learning was circular. It didn't end. It just, it was constant. And then it would come down, and then you'd go back around. It was circular. There was no, oh, I started here and didn't know something. Now I know it. It was never like that. It was, I learned something, and I learned something else, and I learned something else, and I come back around, and I learned something about that one thing again. You see a different facet of it. So I love that that's kind of what we're walking into right now, because as we're talking about these gifts that God has placed in the body, everyone in here is part of that, um, seeing it actually come forward into an, an actual real-life demonstration today. It might not be pretty, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the beauty of Jesus. Every little piece is about the beauty of Jesus. So um, you, got, you guys got your notes. Everybody have your notes? We're all ready. So Susie's going to come up first and get this, get this going. Hey, guys, also, I don't, I don't know if you said this or not because I was checking in on Donna who had a little accident last night or this morning. But... Um, while you're doing all this, wait a minute, what does that note say? Let me see that. Oh yeah, good. Um, I don't have the paper in front of me. Try to see if you can figure out where's that apostolic viewpoint? Where is that evangelistic viewpoint? Where is that prophetic? All the, all the apest, apostle, prophet, shepherd, evangelist, teacher, okay? So you know what they are. See if you can figure out where they are as we go through the day. Okay, and before we get ready on this journey, it's a truly a love journey, let's just say. Um, I would like to, to pray, if you wouldn't mind. Father, we thank you that you're a good, good father and that you are the good shepherd and that even now, Lord, that you're leading us, you're guiding us by your spirit. We thank you so much for Jesus that we're able to glorify him today. Holy Spirit, come. God, come and touch our eyes that we might see. God, touch our ears, God, that we might hear. God, touch our lips that we might speak. And Father, we're crying out, God, touch our hearts. God, touch every informational gate, every place, God, where you want to break in. God, that you would move upon us today. And God, right now, we just want to give you thanks, God, for all of those, Lord, who for it, I don't, can't even imagine how long, Father, but we know even in this place, God, that seeds 
have been planted and watered and the ground turned over decades, Lord, that words were going forth from this place, prayers were going up, God, that we're able to stand here and that we're able to be here right now to be able to have our eyes be opened. So, God, we give you thanks. God, we thank you that, that we're going to, that you're taking us on a journey of the height, the breadth, the width, the depth of your love. God, through these appointed times, these times, God, that you alone have set. God, so we're crying out, God, bring revelation. God, open heavens over this place. God, so that as whatever is being spoken, that, Lord, that each person will encounter you. God, that you would, that people would leave here and you would be glorified. So we thank you for this and we thank you for um, just the ones that... <laughs> God only, God, I just say, I thank you, God, that you use, you use willing vessels, maybe not always the ones that have, are the most polished, but God, that the vessels, God, that we are up here willing and humbling ourselves before you to be used. And so I just want to start out this morning that we're in this, we're in, not just in this body, but all across the world, there is a shift happening. There is time of realignment. It's, I, I almost believe it's part of the third awakening. It's, it is something because we, our, our brains cannot imagine God's taking us back to, to where maybe we've forgotten what's the most important because he wants to be in first place in all things. And so... At, with that, I would like her to put up, put, can you put up the first slide? Um, I used a, a menorah, which right now this is being recorded, and for those that are not able to see the picture, I just want to briefly describe what it is so that you can see it. I'm only using this as an object lesson, just a visual aid, so that you can, when you, it re, will remind you when you see a menorah, which a menorah is a candle, a candlestick, but it has seven branches on it. And I won't get into what it all really represents, but I'm just using it as an object lesson that you can see that there are seven, each one of those uh, names that are coming off, off of each one of those candlesticks are representing the feast of the Lord. These are appointed times. These are times that the Lord himself initiates and that we didn't initiate him. He initiated them. And, but for today, Today, well, on each one it says Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles. Those are the seven feasts. They're yearly feasts. Now, there is also another appointed time, which if I could put a circle around that whole menorah, is a weekly appointed time, but we're not going to go there today. And so with the, with the Feast of the Lord, for this morning we will be actually um, addressing the first three branches, which is Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the First Fruits, and those are what we call the spring festivals. And so if you could go to the next slide, please. If we go back into the beginning of Genesis 1.14, we could read this out loud. Then God said, 
You guys can say it out loud because when we say it out of our mouth, it goes through our ear gate. It's just another way God says we can hear, we can learn. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them, that's okay, and let them be signs for seasons and for days and years. Well, I'm only going to choose one word and give you a little, a little insight. The word seasons, okay, when you see the word up there, seasons, that word in the Hebrew is I'm moed, moedim, moed, moed, M-O-E-D. And that word has to do with an appointed time. It's an appointed time. It's a, it's a special time. I, I'm not even giving you everything that it entails, but it, that word, and all you're talking about the sun, the moon, these things, were put there as signal posts. They were designed by God to let us know when he has an appointed time. That's what it's there for. Okay, move to the next slide, which is Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. Okay? And, and you can turn it in your Bibles too if you like. Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. And it says, The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. That this, these things were given to Israel, but they're for all of us. It is an invitation. These feasts are an invitation to everyone to encounter him. Yearly. He set them up. Okay, so we have those. And, but yet Israel, were, they were the ones who were like given the stewardship to be able to carry it. But guess what? We are grafted in to that, so we also share in the stewardship of that. So we carry that to be able to talk about that today because we are stewards of this with them. And so go on to the next um, slide. Okay, you can see that this is a regular calendar. It says April 2019. Now, in the scriptures, it says that Passover, the, the spring feast, begin on the 14th of Nisan. Can anyone, first of all, does anybody use a calendar in here? Raise your hand if you use a calendar in your phone, in your thing, and you write down what? Appointments, birthdays, um, you put all kinds of things. Some, some of things are things that you initiate, and sometimes you get an invitation from somebody, and you put that on your calendar, don't you? Because you don't want to miss it, correct? So here's what we have with God. He says, I have this time, this special time. It's a holy convocation. That means, guess what? He's going to be there, okay? But he says, on the 14th of Nisan, that's when it begins. Does anybody know, is there in our calendar, which, in, by the way, is a solar calendar based on the sun, does anybody, do we have the month of Nisan on our calendars? It's, it's not there. And so... We have to know where, where are we going to find when he's meeting? Because I want to be there. We were singing about it today. I want to be where he is. And so we have to know on that calendar up there, which you can't see, and I'm so sorry, we can't make it larger, but you can go download it on your computers, on your phone, where you can actually coincide when the solar calendar is because God 
uses a lunar calendar because the days of the months begin when there's a new moon, which means there's a little tiny slither of, of the moon at the beginning. That's when his months begin. And in the Hebrew calendar, which they steward that, which now we get to steward also, that we, God says, here's the dates. You can go in Leviticus 23, the whole chapter, and you can read it, and it will tell you when these appointments are, when to expect of what you're going to do when you, you know, when is it? So you can look up on that calendar, and it will tell you when the first, when the 14th of Nisan is. I'm sorry, I don't have my, uh, my thing on, but, but we're actually, it's going to be next week. When we, and that's why we went and we, were cha we changed it from the community week this week because we were like the aha moment when he's trying to walk us through this and we say, Lord, I want to, I'm trying to walk this out. Some of us are at all different places of the journey in this walk. But when we get it, we're responsible. Like a person, when you, when you came to know the Lord, you were plain darn excited. And you had something burning within your heart that you wanted everybody to know about it. Well, that's about how I feel about this, okay? Because this thing burns within me to talk about him and when he's going to meet. And I don't want anybody to miss encountering him. Because when you encounter him, you're changed. And so I just want to say that we are in a season when we are getting realigned to his calendar. We live in this world, so we operate. We have to operate from both calendars, okay? And we do use the, we can use our solar calendar because the day in the Hebrew day begins at 6 p.m. at night. It doesn't begin at midnight like ours. But all this stuff, we're on a journey, and we're going to be starting to have understanding of the realignment and the shift. But there needs to be the yes in our heart that says, Lord, I want to be where you are. And so that is, that is part one. <laughs> shift. I mean, that's, that's exactly how it feels, doesn't it? Um, God is going to cause us to look at things a whole different way. We want to follow him. We want to chase him. We got to change what we do. Um, I just went dead. So we're getting ready to watch a video, you guys. I want to kind of just wanted to preface it for a second. And the reason is um, this is something Aiden put together. And I love that we are seeing a little bit of uh, flavor from not just men and women, but older and younger. I mean, we're all, that, that's what, that's another part of the whole Hebrew culture. They didn't separate, you know, the kids go to kids class. I mean, they, they didn't separate like that. They, we were, they were all one, they did it all together. So I love that this, this another little picture of today. So um, Aiden put this together. He's got this little bit of a prophetic edge to him and it's not, I wanna say edge because he challenges. And I've watched Aiden on Facebook and just watched him grow up from this little and he's always challenging what we're doing. And he's always challenging the church culture, the American church culture. Like, why do we do this when the Bible says this? I've heard this from him. He'll put a little snippet out there on, on Facebook, just a question, and then people start responding, and then you see this tension happening, and I'm like, ooh, I love it. I love that because it causes you to think. It causes you to think, why do I think this way? So um, this 
video's probably gonna do that to you. I'm just gonna let you know right now, this video is gonna make you think about Easter and Passover. We have inherited traditions that have nothing to do with the scripture. We need to wake up. What we were handed, what was laid in our hands, is a tradition that came right straight out of Babylonian sun god worship. We are celebrating the wrong things here, not just one holiday, but all of our holidays are pretty much wrong. So basically everything that is surrounding Easter, whenever we say the word Easter, we know it is Babylonian sun god worship that that is what it's all about. Where the Hebrew scriptures say, do not even let the names of pagan gods come out of our mouth. Yet we are seeing signs, as I was driving up here, a huge banner in front of the church that said Easter. Oh my goodness, I need to talk about Zeus. And so we have to, we have to earnestly contend for the faith of those once delivered and saved. But what's very, very important to understand is that we do not follow the traditions, the rules and regulations that were invented by the Pharisees. On Easter Sunday, the priest of Easter would impregnate a virgin on the altar of Easter. Then a year later, when that child was three months old, at the next Easter service, then they would sacrifice that three-month-old baby. They would take the eggs of Easter and die in the blood of that sacrificed infant. This whole weekend, the witness is all about is about Passover. And this is exactly what it tells us in the Torah. Do not learn the way of the heathen. Do not learn how they worship and serve their gods and do the same thing and say you're doing it for me. It is an abomination. Three times a year you go to the feast. One of those feasts is Passover, and Passover is the picture of the Lamb of God, which is the substitutionary sacrifice for the children of Israel and hence the entire world. Passover is what this whole season is about. Eastern Babylonian song worship, the Christian world in America has been a lie, and they are just swallowing it without even understanding the simplest of history that most of us are world recognize. Hello. Okay. So Aiden made that, is, we watched it the other day, and I was just like, this is pretty intense stuff, but it is intense stuff, and that's why we're paying attention to it. Um, so the part that I'm bringing today, I'm basically going to talk about why we shouldn't be doing Easter, because uh, we'll be teaching more on why should be, we should be doing Passover. But uh, I know when I've been telling my family and my friends I'm not doing Easter, they're all asking me why not. And uh, instead of just saying, well, the Bible says do Passover, they're like, but why not Easter? So I'm just going to provide basically the long version of that video of a little history on Easter and specifically why we shouldn't be doing it. So, um, <clears throat> so Easter is a lady who, if you look her up, she is the Queen of Babylon and later becomes the Queen of Heaven, is her name. <laughs> um, and she... Uh, 
ended up marrying her son, Nimrod, who is in the Bible too. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the history of Easter, it gets, it gets really deep. I'm trying to figure out how much I want to say because there's a lot to it. But uh, <clears throat> her name is uh, Samiramis, I think is how you say it. Uh, it's, she's known as Ishtar, which is actually pronounced Easter, which is where we get that word from. Uh, the word Easter itself isn't in the Bible. It's mentioned once in the King James Version, and it's mistranslation from Passover, actually. So uh, the fact that we've been celebrating Easter as Christians and it's not in the Bible, when I've been studying it, I'm like, what are we doing? So <clears throat> I don't know. I just... The more I've been reading into this, I just lately we've been praying about the book of Acts and uh, I've just been like, God, show me things in my life that I can't see that are things that I need to get rid of. And uh, he just started bringing up the holidays. So London and I have been researching the holidays and uh, when we got to Easter, I don't know, I just, I just felt like from the Lord, it was like, wake up, you're not celebrating me, you're celebrating someone else. Uh, you've been tending a separate altar from me your entire life, every year. And I want you to celebrate me, not a pagan god. And uh, so I guess just moving forward, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from, is I want to tend the altar of the Lord and not someone else. And uh, it's just been a wake up in my life of, and I've been telling my family, like, we need to switch the boat that we're on because we're, I want to go in a different direction than where we've been going. Um, so yeah, so <clears throat> her husband Nimrod and her son, he died, became a sun god, and uh, in some of the research, they call him Baal that I found. Uh, he ended up impregnating her as a sun god, and uh, she gave birth on December 25th for the winter solstice, <laughs> which uh, that's where we get that from. But <clears throat> when they adjusted the calendar for the Gregorian calendar, which is what we're using, they changed the winter solstice to December 21st, which is why we don't recognize the 25th as something we shouldn't be doing, basically. But uh, originally it fell on Christmas, which they're all kind of tied together. That's why that video is saying all of the holidays that we've been doing. Um, so yeah, so she gave birth on the 25th of December to her son, whose name is Tammuz. I think is how you say it. Uh, and Tammuz is supposed to also be a reincarnation of Nimrod. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, the three of them, basically, when Tammuz dies and goes, ascends to be with Nimrod, he ascended so that way the three of them can be the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's like what that whole thing's about. Um, her pregnancy was a divine act on a date uh, on the vernal equinox, which is known as Easter. And uh, the date of Easter was later changed at the Council of Nicaea. So that's another reason why we don't really recognize where the history comes from, is because it's been, it's been moved around. So today it's not like common knowledge of where that stuff comes from. But uh, <clears throat> when she died, she became the queen of heaven and Every year, she would descend back to Earth in a multicolored egg, which is where we get that for Easter. And uh, every time she would descend, her worshipers would wake up 
for a sunrise service to see if they can see her descending, which is where we got the sunrise service from for Easter. Uh, like that video said, um, her temple priests would impregnate women so that way uh, they could give birth on the 25th to honor her. And uh, the next Easter they would sacrifice those kids. And uh, the more I've been reading about this, uh, there's a lot of just sexual stuff and fertility involved. And uh, the women in the temple, it wasn't just like, uh, I mean, I think they did want to do it, but basically they would just lay themselves at the altar and whatever man came in to have sex with them, that's what they did. Um, so then they would sacrifice the babies and coat eggs in it. And that's where we get the coloring of the eggs every year for Easter as well, which I did, I've done every year in my family until this year. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so Tammuz is actually mentioned in the Bible as well in Ezekiel 8:14, And uh, the Lord was saying, come with me and let me show you the despicable things that uh, the leaders are doing. And he's taking them to all the different places. And in 8:14, he says, uh, he took them to the north gate of the Lord's temple, and women were out front crying over Tammuz when he died. Uh, that's where that is in the 814 of Ezekiel. Um, Tammuz, when he died, it said that the women would, uh, they cried and fasted for 40 days over that. And uh, that's actually where Lent came from, was from that all going on. Um, <clears throat> After that, uh, Tammuz was killed by a wild boar because his father Nimrod was a hunter. He became a hunter. Uh, and so every year for Easter, that's why we have the tradition of having an Easter ham. Because the boar that killed Tammuz, to honor Tammuz, every year they kill a boar or a pig to honor who killed him. So like all this stuff with Easter, I'm just like, eh, I don't want to do it. Uh, <clears throat> So that's pretty much like the short of the history of where everything with, Heast with uh, Easter came from, which is why I've pretty much been like, yeah, never mind. I'd rather just do Passover because we're told to do that. Uh, but just so you guys know, if people are asking you, well, why not Easter? Is because there's, there's a lot of stuff that I don't want to be involved with there. Um, so just to like piggyback off of that, a couple scriptures that I found. Uh, Jeremiah 10.2 says, don't learn the ways of the nations. And uh, clearly with Easter, this goes all the way back to Babylon, and we've still been celebrating it since. Um, another thing with uh, the, the, the mother is <clears throat> she was a great queen of Babylon, and she's actually, she was a, like a fierce leader, and she was the one that built the walls of Babylon. Um, <clears throat> in Jeremiah 51, uh, I believe this is the Lord speaking. It says, I will punish Bel and Babylon, and I will bring forth out of his mouth that which he has consumed up, and the nations shall not flow together any more to him. The walls of Babylon shall fall. Uh, my people, go out of her midst and let each man deliver his soul from the fierce anger of Jehovah. And so she's the one that built the walls, and God's commanding that those walls be torn down. So again, we've been like doing Easter, we've been, we've been at the wrong altar because we've been building the walls of Babylon pretty much. <clears throat> um, I think one of the scriptures I had was Deuteronomy. 
Yeah, 29, yeah, through 32. So it says, it's kind of small, but when the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations, and you shall drive them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs or worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods, saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want you to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. So be careful to obey all the commands I give you. You must not add anything to them or subtract anything from them. And so this is just another reason of <clears throat> we just need to be doing the feasts that the Lord tells us to do and not adding anything and celebrating other gods. Um, the last one I had was from Numbers 25, which I think I just have one through five up there. Um, <clears throat> and basically it's talking about how the Israelites let in the Moabite women into their camp. Uh, and it says in verse three that this caused the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. If you read that whole section, it talks about how by letting them in and joining with them that um, the Israelites became yoked to the traditions of the sun god. Uh, and we, as like in us moving forward, we need to basically get them out of our camp and uh, return back to being yoked to the Lord instead of to other gods. Uh, and then the last thing I was going to say is just if you read in Exodus 12, Leviticus 23, and uh, I forgot where it is in Deuteronomy, it's all about the feast, all three of them. Uh, when I was reading in the New Living Translation, it says basically at the end of every feast, I highlighted every time, it says this is a permanent law to be observed from generation to generation, for every single one. And uh, just when I was reading that, I was feeling like, well, I haven't been observing that. <laughs> and... I know people in my family haven't been observing it. My friends haven't been observing it. And we're all Christians. So <clears throat> I just, I, I guess like the big point for me was this is really like we need to turn the ship with what we're doing at church and, and in our lives of getting rid of this altar to pagan gods and really coming back to the altar of the Lord. And uh, I really feel like he's going to move through doing that. So that's what I got. Yes? Exodus 12, Leviticus 23, and uh, I can't remember where in Deuteronomy. I have it in my Bible over there. I, I'll give it to you after. But, so that's what I got. So next. Yeah, so uh, on the, the little notes you have, I left space underneath each section for notes, but then all the way down at the bottom, there's questions. And so throughout this whole morning, if you guys have any questions, we're going to have some time at the end to answer them. So just throughout, the, throughout this morning, if you have questions, write them down at the bottom. That's what that's for. Good job. Shalom. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing needed, nothing lacking. That's what we're looking, working toward in every area of our life. Uh, I wanted to 
preface this by saying some of the stuff that you may be hearing, um, it may be really foreign. Um, don't feel condemned, you didn't know this. Everybody that's ever started this, whether it's been a month or 40 years, we didn't know it either. So it's just a learning experience. God sends people out ahead of others to bring them along the journey, and that's what some of us are. And uh, um, we all have uh, a goal of having the heart and mind of Christ, and so we can't have that when we have false beliefs in our in our brains. Um, I, I want to mention one thing, if I can. It's out of order, um, but when Stacy was quoting or uh, reading the scripture earlier. Um, when they were at the mountain, uh, the people agreed to what God was going to have them do before they knew what it was, the commandments. So we do need to step out and do it, whether we know what it is. Um, I'm, we're going to all ask you to read the Passover story this week in Exodus, just to get your heart God will show each person a little something different, and that's really good. It's also in Psalm 105. Think about what their life was like at that time in history. We have fast food, we have groceries, we have party supplies, we have everything, we can celebrate a festival. But back then, they didn't have any of that. Um, one of the ways that the Jewish partake of the Seder is that they take it as though they themselves are coming out of Egypt for the first time. And so that's a real good way for you to look at it as you yourself are coming out. Let's take it with intention, focus, a new level of understanding and with commitment. Um, God took the Israelites out of Egypt so they would be his own treasured people, holy and separated from the pagan cultures around them. Uh, Exodus 12:38. if we have that one. Uh, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, a mixed multitude went with them with much livestock. There was many different people that lived in Egypt, and when they saw the favor of God on the Israelites when they came out, they left with them. And that is how we're supposed to live our lives. So the world sees the hand of God on us and wants to go with us. The feasts are not rehearsals. We're not going to get it all right. Don't expect to understand it all. We are all learning. We're all growing. We're all stepping out. In the Torah, the first five books, God instructs and explains his feast, and these feasts are part of the bride's beauty treatment. Jesus, Yeshua, he is the Torah that became flesh and dwelt among us. The ultimate goal of Torah is love. Passover is part of Torah, so its ultimate goal is to reveal God's love. The feasts do appear in Genesis in seed form. The feasts are designed in part to focus on the awe, the wonder, the love and wisdom of God in his perfect plan. In this century, we are so familiar with his redemption plan, but that first Passover, 
They had no idea what was coming down the road. The best way to learn something is by doing it. When God introduced the biblical feast, he was not scheduling a potluck. He had purpose and intention to teach future generations and not to be taken lightly. So in his great wisdom, he instructs us to continue to share the story and to remember what he's done. And he has us do it with a feast. What is a feast? Fun, food, and fellowship. This also keeps the generations informed of his ways. As he was sharing about Easter, his family and his friends all do it. It's because it wasn't, we weren't doing it. It's not anybody's fault. It's just that's what happened through the years. It wasn't shared. Um, the word, as uh, was explained, moed, um, it means God's appointed times, the times he sets. It can mean set times. It can mean seasons. And because the heavenlies were in place first, the set times and feasts were set in motion from before the earth was even in, impl implemented. Um, these are dressed rehearsals for the first and second coming of Yeshua, the spring and the fall feast. The feast were sending signals to the Israelites with a clear, direct message. Watch for the Messiah. Exodus 13.9, Passover is the most significant biblical feast because it points to the, God's finished work of redemption. God tells Moses that Passover shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes. Now what kind of sign or mark would God give those who keep the Passover? Well, it's the same mark God placed on the foreheads of Jews who rejected idolatry in Ezekiel 9. It is not a barcode. It is not a tattoo. It is not an implanted chip. It is the mark we receive that reflects the belief system we take into our heart and our mind. It's symbolically here, what's our mind, and symbolically here, which is what we do. It is unseen by man. In Genesis 1.14, God said, Let there be lights in the sky to separate the day from the night. They shall be signs and will mark religious festivals, days, and years. Without these heavenly directives, God's people will have no clarity as to their identity, their destiny. They will lack direction, and they will not know how to read the signs. And if you want to read more on that, you can read Jeremiah 31.21. And Isaiah 35, 8. Can you imagine, just for a moment, the thrill, excitement, the joy, the anticipation that God must have had when he put the signs in the skies before he made someone made in his image? You know how you prepare for a birthday party or a gathering or a bridal shower or a 
baby shower and you get excited because you're going to bless somebody you're going to surprise them maybe they're going to be coming certain people are going to be coming you get excited well if that's just on our little level what must it been like for him to plan these appointed times and then we say oh no I don't do Passover that's a Jewish thing that's wrong we need to come within focus and excitement, and I can see some people going, <laughs> we do, we really need to do that. So I just, I've been pondering that a lot with imagining how exciting he could have been to plan all this. Uh, Psalms 23.3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The paths of righteousness are the covenants, the feast, the Sabbath and the new moon festivals. These celebrations work in unison as a roadmap designed to escort the bride to her most important event, her wedding. She will be in proper attire, on time, and with lots of extra oil without participating in the king's moedim, his times, it will be impossible or the bride to find her way to her wedding. Prior to the celebration of Passover, there's a rigorous time of searching and removing leaven from our homes. Sages identify leaven as the evil impulses within us, and we are to remove all traces of known sin. I understand that in, I think it was like the 1800s, the Jewish, when it came time preparation for Passover, they would literally strip the wallpaper off their walls because the glue back then had flour in it. They're that serious of getting the wrong out of their life. When the word of the Lord came through Rich about getting sin out of our lives, that was literally preparing what this feast was about. That was a perfect example of how serious it is. When Yeshua enters the temple and casts out the money changers, he was in effect keeping the command, he cleansed his father's house. Have you ever prayed, whatever it takes, Lord, to get someone's attention, to get them saved? Well, the plagues were designed by God, directed at the Egyptian gods to make known the one true God. And he was doing whatever it took to wake them up. Something that is not mentioned in scripture in this story are the miracles that were performed by the Israelites, for the Israelites, I'm sorry. A great uh, Jewish sage of the Middle Ages stated that the miracles were when our forefathers were spared from the plagues. When three plague, the first three plagues were for all the inhabitants of the land. And then when the last seven happened, only Egypt was covered with the plagues. They lived in Goshen and they didn't touch them. Think about that just for a moment we can put in a smaller size, St. Louis would be bombarded with a plague of frogs 
and then you live in, what's the next one out? Fenton, Crestwood, and it's not touched at all. That would be amazing, would it not, that to see that. The Egyptians would then know that Yahweh was God because those plagues did not affect the Israelites. That's the miracles. Throughout the plagues, God did not harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart by his own choices. To celebrate the Passover feast, a spotless lamb, one year or younger, would be brought into the home. It would be loved and cared for as you would a pet. The reason it was brought into the home was it was to be inspected to make sure there was no blemish. It wasn't lame, it wasn't blind, it, there'd be no imperfection. So after three days living in the home, it would be slaughtered. Imagine slaughtering one of your own pets. What would it be like for that family? Basically killing one of its own. After it was killed, the dead lambs were hung on hooks, the forearms were spread in a crucifixion pose as they were skinned and prepared for roasting. When John the Immerser said, Behold the Lamb of God, he was identifying the perfect one. Then as Yeshua entered on the donkey, the Pharisees inspected him for blemishes and spots but they could not find one, according to Torah. Yeshua celebrated Passover every year of his life. Uh, that was normal as he grew up. In Luke 2.41, it says they went to, the uh, went to Jerusalem with the family as they did every year. So he was used to doing that every year. He was, it's how he grew up. So when it came time for Passover, the year he was to be slain, uh, crucified, that it was normal to do that. And so he observed with his disciples the Passover. And when he did, he didn't drink the fourth cup of wine because he rejoiced because he'd be looking forward to after his death, he would drink it with us in the kingdom to come. After the Passover feast in Exodus 13, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread comes. It's to celebrate seven days with bread that has no leaven. After that, next fruit is first fruits. We know Jesus is the first fruit from the dead. But also farmers would go out into their fields and they would watch the fields and the very first heads that would ripen they would tie a string around it because their intent was to give the very first, the very best to the Lord. And so there's an intention of doing something to make, that's, that's how deliberate they were to um, give him the best. Okay. Um, then after that comes Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, and that completes Passover. It's the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. The Lord told Moses, you saw what I did to the Egyptians. Now, if you obey my covenant, you will be a treasure to me above all the peoples of the earth, and you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Speak this to the children of Israel. 
Moses did, and all the people answered, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. They said we will obey before they knew what the commandments really were. Uh, do we have a slide for number one? Uh, about the Passover is considered the time. Passover is considered the time of Israel's betrothal to, to God. And Passover, Pentecost, is considered the marriage day between God and Israel, between heaven and earth. So through this Seder, we should encourage all to look for the goodness, the love, the holiness, the perfect plan of God. We should share this feast with intention, with focus, with understanding and commitment because it is a covenantal meal. There will always be one thing that between all of us sharing that will stand out to you and we ask you to please ponder that, dwell on that, meditate on that because the Holy Spirit is lighting, enlightening that to you to share, to, to expand on. Today, when you have a meal, sit down and talk about it. Ask some people questions. Uh, I have a lot more, but I think that's enough right now. So, uh, there, there is, I, I will say with uh, the Hebrew thinking, Hebrew is kingdom also, that with, in a, we have a Greek mind, and we live in a Greek culture, and we go from point A to point B, A plus B equals C, one plus two plus three. This is how we this is how we learn. But in the Hebrew mind, they go, they put a brick here to build a wall. We would build a foundation, a line upon line in Greek. But in Hebrew, they put a pick, they put a, a brick over here and a brick over here and a brick over here and a brick. And it seems like it's all like nothing's making any sense. And the more you learn, those bricks start connecting, and pretty soon you say, Oh, I can see part of it over here but there's one way over here that doesn't fit. Don't worry, it will connect somehow. So if it feels a little disjointed, that's actually Hebraic thinking, so that you learn in pieces in different places. And so, um, and there's always more than one reason. I think we know that, but it's really true in Hebrew. I can tell you all these things, and you can get somebody else that knows Hebrew to bring them up, not Hebrew, but kingdom, type, uh, I'm sorry, Hebraic type thinking. They'll come up and they will share probably entirely different things, but they would all mean the same thing. So it's not wrong, it's just a different facet, okay. Hey guys, I'm only going to be in a minute or two because I really want us to get into some question and answers, okay? So I'm going to like, boop. I have just a little smidgen to share. Um, it was, as we started talking about this, um, I, I know a lot of you out there just from conversation, getting to know you, you, like you start hearing somebody talk and all of a sudden you, oh, oh yeah, oh, I hear this, oh, I'm getting this. You start getting that little bit of revelation, you know, those little pictures, kind of like Donna was saying, like this has been sitting up here all this time, and I just saw it for the first time. So one of the things that was happening when Susie and I were doing our little um, 
uh, first little meeting when we were talking about this, I all of a sudden just said, I'm, I'm just seeing something about Jesus in the book of Revelation, about him being the past, the present, and the future. I, I was like, well, what does that mean? I'm just hearing it. I'm not like reading it anywhere. So one of the things I, I love Revelation for, if anybody saw my Bible, you would know that that's probably my favorite part of the whole Bible. It, because it's about staring and just beholding the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of heaven. Okay, so that's one of my, one of my go-to scriptures all the time. But in there it says that, uh, you know, that the living creatures and the angels, they're all beholding him, right? And they say that he, holy is the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Do you have that menorah back up there for me really quick? Um, and so Susie, when we were like just brainstorming, brings this picture up. And so then I got to looking at that. So you see the first three feasts, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, First Fruits. That's where we are right now in the, in the season, okay? Who was? This is who was. And we're celebrating who was. Center, it's Pentecost. That is when, you know, upper room experience, right? Heaven came down to earth to dwell with us. This is now. We are always being filled with his spirit. And so... This is the now, the one who was, the one who is, and then those last three, even though we celebrate them, we celebrate them in anticipation of Jesus' return. So the one who is to come. So even in the Jewish families, when they're doing all of this, they're celebrating Jesus in every single part of that, whether they realize that yet with this understanding yet or not, but they will. So I just got really excited about we're celebrating Jesus in every aspect of what they're beholding him as. They saw him who was and is and is to come. They saw it all wrapped up in one scene right there in heaven. And so I just know that as we do this, as we say yes to uncovering these feasts and what they mean, these appointed times and seasons, what they really mean, as we begin to uncover them, we will see more and more and more of Jesus. And isn't that what we really want? Isn't that what we really want? Yes, he rose from the dead. Yes, I'm going to celebrate his resurrection. But I'm telling you, the word says, celebrate my death and what I did for you. And so that's what I choose to do. So we are going to have, if you're on the Q&A panel, if you'll just come on up, guys. Um, here's what we're going to do. I know it's, luckily lunch is here, so you don't have to worry about leaving and getting lunch. Um, there's a lot of swirl. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of thought. Um, and I want to, we got to do this together. So if you have a question, this is all we're doing. This is, we are asking the panel to come on and come on up. And if you have a question, yeah, there's, if there's not, yeah, we just need more cheers. Um, we just ask you to start lining up right here. We're just going to be, we're family, we're honest. So you have a, a question about it, then I want you, we need to come on up here and line up and we'll have one of these guys share um, Jeremiah, can you get a couple more chairs? Oh, uh, jo Josh has them. We need to have these, all these people up here. These are people that we've chosen because of the thing they carry in their heart. So as they get up. I just want to tell you my part that I'm so excited about that I felt like God was sharing with me. Um, this thing that Susie said about appointed times and how important it was. She was talking to me about it the other day. 
and about how when God made, is making an appointment with us. God is making an appointment with us. And I was telling her a story about, I'm on, this t I'm on this phone call that I do once every two weeks. And it's a phone call that um, has multiple people on it from multiple countries. And I think, you know, four or five of the continents are all on this phone call. And what happened was the people that are running the call are in England. They're in the UK and their time changed and I didn't know it. So I got on my call and I'd missed it by an hour. I missed it because it was their meeting, it was their time, and I didn't change my, I didn't line myself up with their clock. My clock was different, but I missed the call because I wasn't paying attention to the person that made the meeting and what time they were on. Now I can listen to the meeting later, it's recorded, but I'm not gonna get the same thing as if I'm doing the call when they're talking because I get to participate then. So there's something about that that struck me about doing this thing and man, I, I wanna be two feet in. If God, if, the, if Passover is the thing and his time is Passover, I'm still gonna celebrate the resurrection because it's around me and it's important. He rose again, that makes him different. But I wanna make sure that I'm doing it on, I'm doing things on his time, on his calendar, because I don't wanna miss the call. I don't wanna miss the call. That's just where I'm at. This is where my journey. So come on up, I'm sure there's questions. I'll ask a question that was sent to us in text message already. Isn't the cross a pagan thing? Isn't communion a pagan thing? What was the other? Christmas trees. Are, so, so somebody was asking, or that's what they think, is that that was a question to us or a statement. Are, the cro are crosses pagan? Is communion pagan? Or where is that? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The, I, I wasn't the one that asked the question, so I'm just repeating it to get it started. So I can answer about the Christmas tree. Uh, when Tammuz was killed by the wild boar, it was said that his blood fell on the stump of an evergreen tree, and it, the tree grew back overnight. And that was supposed to be miraculous because of Tammuz's blood, so that's why they would then use the evergreen tree every year to commemorate Tammuz being born on December 25th. So yeah, so that's where the Christmas tree came from. Um, I was going to address communion. Um, I don't know exactly if the term communion, but we're supposed to remember the blood of Jesus and what it means in the broken body, which represents the bread and the blood represents the wine. And he said to keep doing this in remembrance of me. And it's not a ritual that you do. You do it with full revelation of what you're doing. The Bible also tells us I think it's in Corinthians or Romans, I'm not sure, but I think Corinthians, where it says not to eat or take of it in an unworthy manner. So if you'd been out um, gallivanting around, sinning and everything, and then you just run in and take communion, you have no idea of what you're doing. Taking communion is a holy act before God, and it's surrendering your will to say, I want what Jesus did for me. I want to be like Jesus, and I desire. That doesn't mean we're perfect, 
but it means that if you know you have sinned, you should repent. And repent means to turn around, completely around, to be sorry, not only sorry, but grievous of what you did with a full revelation of what you, that sin was. That doesn't mean that you may, it, you may not fall into it again, but you don't just haphazardly keep on doing the same thing over and over. So communion is a holy thing, it is biblical. Rather the term communion is biblical, I'm not sure. But taking of the bread and the wine representing the body and the blood of Yeshua Jesus is truly biblical. Uh, Jesus himself instituted at the, we call it the Last Supper. And then in Corinthians he says, do this often in remembrance of me. So it's very, I say very biblical. It's kind of a comment more than a question, if that's okay. Um, I grew up in a household where my parents uh, rededicated their lives back to the Lord when I was around eight years old. And in doing so, there was like the grand purge of practices and things that had been in our house that we were accustomed to that came to a screeching halt. Things like trick-or-treating, things like secular music. Um, Things like taking the round balls off of the Christmas tree because they represented the sun god. So there was this entire dramatic flip that took place. And over the years in becoming a parent, certain traditions I've kept, certain ones I've kicked to the curb. Um, through research and hearsay and, and the whole nine yards, and when you talk about the history of Easter um, and the deaths in, in Babylon culture, I think one thing that's really important to remember is the reasons why we celebrate, the reason why we celebrate is Jesus, is God, it's the Lord who put us all here and created us in his image. These were things to celebrate that we had first. Like he put the signs in the sky that we talk about. He built the seasons. He put all of this in place to bring glory to him and it was stolen from us and twisted and perverted. We have the right and the call to take it back and give it back to him. So I think that sometimes, and I know my parents did this, they come to this point where they, they learn these facts and they just beat themselves in the head over it. Like, what have we taught our children? What have we done? It's learning the reality and learning the truth of it and then taking it back and making it what it's about again. Does that make sense? I just want to kind of piggyback on uh, what Cassidy's uh, sharing. And if, if we go to Revelation 1.1, it says, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. And it goes on a little bit further, but I think we just have to remember that um, the feast, it's a revealing of who Jesus is. And that we want to sell, we want to go there. We want to follow him. And we could get all uh, about rules and regulations, and we're not doing this, but we do this. Even the Passover, like all the things, it's a celebration. That's one thing. Um, we talked about moed, the word, but there's also another word that there's three feasts, the, the, the first, uh, sorry, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. The word is used, kag, and it's actually 
a celebration. It's a, it's a swirling dance. And they were commanded to come into those three feasts that way. These, were, this, these feasts are a revelation of Jesus. They're a revelation, and, and he gives us revelation day to day to day. It never stops. It never gets stale. It's not about rules. It's about him and who he is. And I, one of the books I was reading, the, one of the men said, one of his friends tries to get new revelation about who Jesus is every feast. So every year it comes around again, he's going to study some, some different aspect of the Lord and, and get revelation on who he is. And um, so I just wanted to kind of share that because that kind of echoes Cassidy's. Uh, those three feasts she just mentioned uh, in the scripture are called pilgrim feasts, and God commanded that they come to Jerusalem to celebrate them. And even today, people go to Jerusalem on those three feasts, and they're there to celebrate. Just want to mention that. Yes, they're called they're called pilgrimage feasts, where you go to the Lord. You went. You moved yourself out of where you were. You went to Him. Oh, okay. It's Passover, Shavuot, and Feast of Tabernacles. Those are the three pilgrim feasts out of all the seven feasts. This is um, something I want to share. We are grafted into Israel. When you graft something in, if you graft an apple branch into a maple tree, the apple branch will continue to be an apple branch for the rest of the tree's life. Um, in the way I understand is that if you graft any branch into an olive tree, over time it will become an olive branch and produce olives. And if I understand correctly, it's the only tree in the world that will do that. So as we're growing and learning different things, uh, we are becoming from an, a, a strange branch grafted in to the actual olive, the roots of it. And they say that when you really grasp something, you get it, it's an aha moment, that's the grafting taking place. And what, they're, what they're, she, she was sharing about changing things in their family and that she's trying to graft, we're grafting into, that's what we're doing. We're slowly becoming a branch of the olive tree. And also in Exodus, uh, when they were coming out of Egypt, it talks about the, the foreigner, the sojourner, and different ones like that. And if they were to join them, um, in the, this, this celebration and everything, they had to become circumcised, which was a sign of the covenant. So their choice to become circumcised was saying, I choose to follow this covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were making a choice to become grafted in. I appreciate Donna, um, 
you're saying to us, I'm a little bit <clears throat> emotional right now, um, that if we don't understand everything, you know, that if things are confusing to us, then just to bear with you. I'm in that place right now. I'm in a place of confusion. So I came, none of the churches I have come from have ever taught me anything about <clears throat> what you're talking about. So this is all new to me, and I'm really having a hard time with it, to be honest. I'm uh, So <clears throat> I just want you to know that I love the celebration of his resurrection. It is my, one of my favorite times of the year. And when we stand on Easter Sunday and we say he arose from the grave, I'm standing there cheering and praising the Lord to say that I'm not supposed to celebrate Easter is like, it's grievous to me. It goes my heart to be sad. I want to understand, and I want to understand, but at the same time, I don't understand. So I'm being very vulnerable here and honest with you guys, and that's what this is about. But it says, when Jesus arose, he says he was here for 40 days after he rose. He went, the, the woman, the women, came to the grave site first. He appeared to, to Mary Magdalene, and then to Peter and John. Was it Peter, was it? Couldn't have been. Uh, the, the men to the road of Emmaus, they were so perplexed, they lost the one they were following, and they were like so perplexed. And then Jesus came and talked to them and told them all about what the words said in the, in, the, in the scriptures. He explained everything to them. And then he appeared to them, and all of a sudden their eyes were opened. When Peter, when they were, the men were out fishing, Jesus was on the shore, and he called when, and Peter recognized Jesus, he jumped out of the boat and he swam to the shore. But it wasn't until then when Jesus encountered him and asked him, he said, Jesus, said, Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times because Jesus, Peter denied him three times. He said, go and feed my lambs. But it wasn't until then that Peter would, was able to get past what he had done so that he could be the man on, on Pentecost to stand there and bravely and boldly tell what Jesus had done and who Jesus is and how he died for our sins and rose from the dead. I totally believe in celebrating his death for our sins. I totally believe in it. I am there, but I cannot 
I have to celebrate his resurrection. I just want to start by saying we're not sailing, we're not stating to not celebrate his death and his resurrection. It's just the days are wrong. That's all the main thing is, that we need to do it when he says to do it. But we all here do not diminish anything with his death and his resurrection. And you have to understand, that's not what we're trying to do. The, all of us have been, I can guarantee you that I'm pretty sure everybody on this right row here anyway has at one point been confused because we are taught that. And we have a soul tie to the emotional celebration that we've, every church I've gone to has always called it Easter. And the Lord prompted me, he put a hook in my heart to go learn something about Jewish roots. That was how it started. I just was watching, uh, it was a display at a church I was at that said, if you wanna learn about Jewish roots, come to the meeting and I was like I dismissed it three times through it, it repeated itself and the, I think the third time I finally went well Jesus is Jewish maybe I'll learn one thing and I've never stopped and it's been like 14 years because there's no depth there's no end to the truth so what we're learning we've all been there we've all done exactly what you're saying not a person here hasn't felt or said that at all we're not diminishing anything that Jesus did. It's just that the day and the way of celebrating is wrong, with especially the way some of the churches do, is that it has nothing to do with colored eggs. It has nothing to do with a bunny. It has nothing to do with some of this stuff. Uh, Halloween's not that much different in the fact of what the roots of various things are in there. And so all we're trying to do is just display some information to help us all come up a level of it. So. It, it's very uncomfortable in the beginning. We've done it, some of us have done it longer that it's kind of more common, if I can use that word, normal. And it, we all know that place where everyone started that's like, what? It's, it's a cow at a new gate look. It's a paradigm shift that you've never had before. And the Holy Spirit will help all of us. He will help all of us. So I was just going to say, I totally feel how you feel, because that's been my whole life is doing Easter, and the like, waiting for Easter for the, yeah, Jesus is risen. And uh, just by studying this, I re like, what, like what you're saying, we're not saying don't do the, yeah, just do it on the right day, is all we're doing. So it's still a celebration, it's just on a different day. First, it's him dying for Passover, and first fruits is him, the resurrection, and that's that's what that's about. So that's where we're doing the, it's still the same emotion. It's just doing it when God tells us to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just on that, um, so when you're given the biblical times, it's, it's on the 14th day of Nisan. I mean, it's given as a, as a date. It's not something that changes. Like if you think about, yeah, it's fixed. It's fixed. It's fixed time. Appointed. Fixed. So, Say that again. When is it this year? The 14th of Nisan. It's like 
Friday. Oh. Oh, gotcha. Nineteenth of April. I think, and the, and the second thing I just want to say to that is, you know, when I went to my first Seder years ago, I had an aha moment. Oh my gosh, this is Jesus, not what I was raised with. And so it was just a connect for me. Yeah. So just for clarification, uh, what Susie was saying was our calendar our days work on midnight to midnight, and theirs work on 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. So this upcoming Friday at 6 p.m. starts the 14th of Nissan. At 6 p.m., not just Friday morning, but at 6 p.m., just for clarification. It, it just so happens that this year, because of a lunar calendar and a solar calendar, it just so happens this year it coincides, okay? But normally, the Passover, because it's based on the, the lunar. And so we'll have the calendar. We're just going to, all the feasts, we have to line it up when God says they are. And we're not going to find that on a Gregorian calendar. It, it doesn't exist. And so, but we want to honor God. This is about honoring God. And we, we say we want to love you, God, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And if this is something that was important to him, I, I'm willing to go, Lord, I don't understand it, but I want to be where you are. That's all that matters to me. And I know I have to go be with my family on Sunday, and my family will probably continue because maybe there hasn't been a revelation, and I'm not probably going to come down hard on them. Why aren't they doing what I'm doing? But it's just like salvation. When we came to the Lord, you know, and you were around your family, and they didn't know him. It's the same way of bringing Jesus to them. You know, it, it's the same. And so we want to operate in a place from how God is gracious to us, that we're gracious to others. He, and surely we're going to be gracious with one another here, because that's who he is. And just a small technicality. The Bible actually says twilight. And if you look on the uh, Jewish calendar, so that the Jews all around the world are starting the Sabbath and the holy days and the celebration and the feast at the same time, the time will change. You can, you can even Google it. So it's not always gonna be 6 p.m., it's twilight. So when you look at the calendar, like the Sabbath ended last night at 8.16 p.m. So it changes. So just in case, so you won't think that we're just, it's always 6 p.m., no. Uh, this shouldn't be approached legalistically too. Um, and also God states in his word that when we mix paganism with his word, that's an abomination to him. And he, he took a pretty strong stand in the uh, old covenant. But I kind of look at it this way, I don't have to, but I get to. What a blessing that is. So I have, hi, I'm Adrian, for everybody. Um, I wanted to, if it's okay, to say something that I felt about your comment, and then I had a question. Um, when 
when my family, mom and my sister who's not here right now, um, decided to do this, it was a very hard, very hard thing. And at first we actually decided to celebrate everything, you know, let's get everything, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate the resurrection, we'll celebrate Passover, we'll celebrate Christmas, we'll celebrate Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, Shavuot, all of them, and, and just see where it leads us and see where it leads us down our path. And I didn't know in the beginning we were part of a, um, a Hebraic Messianic fellowship um, where we started to learn a lot of our Jewish roots. And as we went through, it became more real. Um, History-wise, what Evelyn actually taught us, and you were probably there, I wouldn't doubt, Jan. Um, Evelyn was one of our lovely ladies that was born Jewish, raised uh, Jewish, and became a Messianic Jew. I'm not sure when, but during the time where Jesus, Yeshua, died, it was on a Pesach, but it was on a Pesach that very similar to this one that started on Friday. And it's interesting that a Pesach that starts on Shabbat is actually run differently. Um, you actually do your Shabbat service, so it is a rest. And everything that happened happened in the time frame that it was supposed to happen historically, legalistically, and spiritually. When he had his Shabbat and Passover dinner that night, that was the night of rest. He wasn't, um, and then they went through from their twilight to dusk to twilight again, through all of that, and that's when he was in the garden. They were observing their Shabbat, their day of rest. And even the scheming with uh, Judas and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, Pharisees, not Sadducees, Pharisees didn't happen on Shabbat. They actually took that time for rest. Then on that Saturday night, sorry, yes, Saturday night, that's when it happened. And then that time period put us on a, what we would call a Sunday, that was that day that he was crucified and the veil was stricken. So everything that was done, he was literally in time, in sync, did not mess with the Sabbath. It did not mess with any of the time period. He did not work that day. He did not perform any miracles. He didn't even become the Passover lamb on Shabbat. And it's interesting because if you were to calculate it, it would be impossible to do that unless the Shabbat was on a Friday. And the Passover first night was on a Friday. So it's an odd that it happened that way. So to be honest, when we address Pesach and the resurrection, they are the same thing. They are the same time period. They are the same just, I mean, everything when it comes to the, the, the palm leaves and the proclaiming him king time period and all of that. That is all this, that is all Pesach. And it's actually written in the Seder almost that way, 
that this entire celebration and dealing with his resurrection is inside of Pesach. He was in the ground three days. And the reason why he was in the ground three days is because their law states that a person is truly dead if they haven't arised in three days. So he would have had to be proclaimed dead, stone cold dead, and had not. And that's why that three days is there, specifically. It would have been on a... It would have been on a... Sunday morning, or, or probably a Sunday morning. Maybe a Monday, I'm not 100% sure on that, simply because it all depends on where they, when the veil was struck and when he exactly died, because there was an eclipse that happened, a full eclipse, a full lunar eclipse that happened. So it would all de be dependent on that timing. And I don't know that 100%, maybe one of you do. My other question was, why are we not doing a dinner next week? No, 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 an actual dinner, meal. I think it was somewhat explained, but I just wanted to get that out. Okay, for this year, for this season, because of, in light of that the Lord brought it to our attention to shift it to line up with his days, okay, we already had the, the dinner we were having today, okay? And because of that, because next week is also a time that, guess what, a lot of people are spending time with their families already, okay? For this year, I'm just talking about for this year, that we wanna honor people, I mean, we wanna honor God. But the thing is, is that in a sense, we'll have a small little meal because we'll be breaking some matzah together. But at the, I, I understand that we're not doing this large dinner this, this next week, but it has to do with a time frame. But you know what? This does not stop any one of you guys from doing this in your own homes. Yep. Nothing says that you cannot do this. And if you have a conviction for this year, like you're hearing it, and the Lord leads you to, to do it in, a, in, the, in some way, then you're free to do that. But we're just saying for this year, um, the fact that we're, we even shifted it to say, I mean, we're in this shift, and, and God's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart to go, I'm so happy that you're, <laughs> you're going down this path, if that answers the question. Does that answer a question? Does that answer the question, Adrian? Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to say real quick, uh, when I first started studying this, yeah, I know. Well, I was going to say this before the question, and I was just waiting patiently. Uh, <clears throat> when I first started this, like you were saying, it's hard to make that shift. Uh, I just felt like I needed to go back and read the story about the Egyptians, le or, um, the Israelites leaving Egypt, 
And what I really took from it was every step of the way, it was hard to make that shift. Yep. And every step of the way, they'd like, I'd rather go back to Egypt and just live in their culture than uh, take the turn for what God has better for me. And every step of the way, they wanted to just turn back and turn back. And so for me personally, I had to remember it, going to where God wants us to, it's going to be a tough journey. And we're going to want to just go ahead and keep doing the Egyptian culture. But God said, no, I have something better for you. Don't, like, I don't know. That's the short of it. But. Good point. It was good that you spoke. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, I have a quick question of how do you, what do you guys think about, um, like, redeeming these types of holidays? I've heard it with Easter, Christmas, especially I've heard it with Halloween. Um, you know, I, I would tend to hear the scripture that says don't mix this and what is happening here. Don't mix these two because it's an abomination. I would take it to that extreme and say, so then no, there is no, I don't know. I, I would just want to hear your thoughts on what, what can be redeemed, what can't, how, would do we even want to redeem something that's so almost blasphemous, you know, to the Holy Spirit, to the crucifixion, to Jesus, to that whole story? I don't know. I, what's your thoughts? What, what would you say to somebody? I don't know. I hope Does that this, make sense? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going with the answer. Okay. <laughs> I hope this answers it. It might not totally, but um, John 5, 46, I'm just taking this, hopefully this is correct, <laughs> a correct uh, uh, reference here. Um, the feasts are also not just a Jewish thing, Jewish thing, because the Lord refers to these feasts as the feasts of the Lord and his appointed times. If we are truly bound to the Lord, his special times will become ours. He has revealed so much of himself in these feasts. Jesus himself said, if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. So I just come back to that thing, his ways become our ways, if, if we let them. And so I don't really want to redeem anything, quite honestly. I just want his ways to be my ways. So I'm going to try to keep it kind of short. I didn't really have any direct questions, but just some thoughts on this. For me, uh, and to kind of go on that redeeming thing, I think Jesus was all about redeeming. That's what he did. That's what his ministry on earth was. He didn't say, you're a prostitute, you're a tax collector, you're a sinner. I got to stay far away from you. He was about bringing you close and redeeming. And, uh, and but, but I'll say before I say this, I love the idea of doing the feasts, and we did that last year and the year before. The Seder and all that was really fun. It was all really cool doing that downstairs. And uh, so I'm all about uh, remembering the feasts. And at the same time with me, I do think that, you know, we can redeem some of these things like during Christmas. You know, I'm not all about the presents, but I'm all about celebrating the name of Jesus. Um, and so I feel kind of a, a weight and heaviness and confusion. And I just want to say a couple scriptures for you guys. Uh, the first one was, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So just remember that um, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling right now, there's no condemnation. We're in Christ Jesus. We are redeemed. We are saved. Whatever you think or whatever you want to uh, believe on this, it's not going to divide us. And, it, and there, it's not going to, don't let it bring like a condemnation on your heart because we are saved in Christ Jesus. The other thing was, I was looking this up in Acts 15. It was... I thought it kind of uh, kind of compared. It was, uh, you know, they had a lot of dissension among themselves about uh, 
oh, you know, these new Gentiles are getting saved, but they're still keeping their old ways, and they're not getting circumcised, and they're not following the laws. And it was a big uh, division among them. And, and what Paul said in here um, is he basically said, like, don't, like, make, make sure they, they don't have to do all these little things, but just, you know, make sure, he said, uh, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Um, so, I don't know, read Acts 15, think about that. Um, and then the other one, I like how Paul said, I will become all things to all men so that I may gain some. And that's where I'm at. It's kind of like, you know, I will be. <laughs> I will become all things to all men so that I may gain some. Um, and so, I don't know, thoughts on that or anything? I just have one comment about that. Um, the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. God is not a God of confusion. The same Holy Spirit, the same God, the same the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you did not know. I left being a Jehovah's Witness to go into being a heathen to come into Christ. And I was so confused. And I just prayed and said, Lord, show me the truth. And the Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So be at peace. God knows your heart. Just be at peace and let the Holy Spirit lead you. Pray, ask, believe, receive. Um, a little bit of history is that uh, after the... It's okay. No, you go. Go, 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 go. Sorry, I can't turn my head. I didn't know what she was... Yeah, no, I'm saying go. Okay. Okay. Um, when the apostles started dying... Uh, more and more Gentiles came into the assemblies and they brought their paganism with them. And over a long period of time, more and more paganism was brought in. Well, by the time we get down to Constantine and 325 AD, the Nicene uh, Council, they outlawed Passover. All the things that were Jewish were outlawed and they killed you if you got practicing them instead of Easter and Christmas and those other pagan um, holidays that they had brought in. So it's very serious. Satan hijacked us and he brought, he replaced God's Moedims and that's what God is against. Christmas, Easter, Lent, all of that replaced God's Moedim. That's where the crux comes. Yeah, and I just want to just clarify, because yes, Jesus is a redeemer, but I don't see a point in him redeeming an object. I mean, he redeems people. Uh, I, 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 I've struggled with that. Like, why, why do I want to redeem an egg? That's about fertility and sexual immorality and all the things you're talking about abstaining from. So why do I want to bring that in and kind of, re there's no point. Does, does that make sense? I know, like it's just a sim it's a symbol, but I'm like, what would you redeem that to? Huh? Okay. 
I'd rather, yeah, no, I'm just saying, I would rather, yeah. I, I would like to, I'm sorry, I would like to just square, share one scripture out of Daniel chapter 7. Because we are, we are dealing with this very thing, what Daniel saw, and an interpretation of things that were going to unfold in the coming days. And it says in verse 25 of chapter 7 of Daniel, he's speaking about this thing that's, that's going to arise. And it did. He will speak out against the Most High. He'll wear down the saints of the highest one. He will intend to make alterations in times and in law. That this thing was intentional to override God's festivals, God's feast, God's appointed times. We're talking about something that wants to take the place of our God. And it, it, it put, stirs something in me. To say, who is our God? Do we not want God to be God in our midst? And, and it's, he says, if I be lifted up. He said, if I would be lifted up, what would he do? What would he do, guys? All men. So we need to lift him up. He's saying, this is how you lift me up. Lift me up. Test me. Try me. And, and the Gentiles are going to be the very ones we're coming to the, to the time of the Gentiles where God is going to even use the Gentiles because as we return to the Lord in these feasts, as we return, it will provoke them to jealousy, it says, to jealousy that will cause them to return to the Lord. All right, um, Chris, I'm a believer, I guess. Uh, um, I sing karaoke all the time, but uh, somehow I get the mic in my hand and I just start shaking. I don't know why. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it, but I am. Um, I have a million questions. Uh, I guess I've been a believer since I was about 18. I kind of faked it and I'm getting a little better. Um, I feel like I'm stuck in two worlds, you know, like the world that I want to be with God. Uh, my grandma was a super strong Christian believer, a Christian scientist, and she just recently passed. Uh, in her sleep, she was 95. It was a good thing. Uh, but she was such a leader. Um, I feel like I want to step up, I guess. Uh, I don't know how to. Uh, I've been praying, kind of asking the universe, God, you know, hey, show me something. Point, direction, pick up, carry, do this, help. Uh, I feel completely lost still. Uh, part of me wants to just intrigue you all to get in my mind, but everyone's complex. So uh, any direction from anybody... That, as anything for me at some point in the future, please ask. Um, I'm also a big helper, so uh, I'd like to give anyone one of my business cards, just to call, hey, you know, I need a ride, you know. Uh, I'd rather do that than drink all day, so. Uh, do you have a question for um, The question is, um, I don't read, okay? It sounds stupid saying it, so I got this little app on my phone that reads Bibles stuff to me, uh, but I don't really know what to look for direction, you know. I, my grandma always said, uh, her name was Mimi. Uh, you can't ask anyone. You have to ask him. He'll tell you. I feel like I'm deaf, so um, some direction. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that for now. Thank you. 
have one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by him. God needed somebody to bring his son into the, to the earth for redemption. And he chose the Jewish people. So therefore, we have a Jewish God, Jesus Christ. He says in the word that we will celebrate these feasts in the ages to come. When I got saved, I just didn't like Easter anymore for the concept of the Easter bunny, the eggs, and then later on, which is years ago, I learned Easter came from the goddess of fertility. And we have Christmas and, you know, Santa Claus. And, and I know that came from somebody called Nicholas who went around and gave presents to the poor people. But I love the time of year. I don't like calling it Easter. I like calling it Resurrection Day. I like Christmas for the fact that God sent his son into the earth to save my dumb... Sorry, I almost cussed. But that Easter and Christmas is my favorite time of the year because when I got saved, I realized he sent his son into the earth. And resurrection, that's that resurrection power that changes my life daily. But I, I don't want you all to think of this stuff as a ritual. It's a... Uh, Paul said to somebody, I can't, I know a bunch of people probably know right where the scripture is. You don't have to be circumcised. It's the circumcision of the heart. So that was a, to Paul was kind of a ritual thing. Stacy mentioned something a couple few weeks ago. And what we need to focus on is the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will bring us all together. Just don't try to get yourselves all worked up on dates. I mean, we will figure this out. In fact, what I thought I saw here this morning was some of you gals didn't have all your dates the same. But... Some said 14th, some said 19th. Sorry, it's immaterial. It's immaterial, but we will get it. We will get this. So, anyway, bless you and love you. Is it fast? You want to ask it? Come on, Steve, my friend. Steve, my friend. Hey, um... The thing about Paul was he, he was talking to people that was simple, that was just trying to get people to, like, understand the simple, the most simple things of God. I, I'm really grateful to be a part of a, um, a church that's, like, in, in the flow of God. It's like trying to hear God and then also adding this, 
aspect. And um, if, if this is something that makes it hard for you to, it offends you, then, you know, participate 5%. And if it's something that you're like, you want to jump in with both feet, then participate all the way. Um, I was remembering where it said that the people, the people f forgot their own language. Daniel, Nehemiah, somewhere running there. And then Peter said that they're going to forget that the flood even came. And then we said that in Nicaea 325, they took this away from us and made it illegal. And a lot of times the things that are taken away from us, we're trying to figure out why, what authority did it have to begin with? And for me, Seder has always broken a lot of bad habits. It was one of my first sobriety cycles. And, um, and so I've always, I've, it's a shedding time, but I mean, at the same time, it's a growth and, and, and um, germination time. Can you all sit at separate tables downstairs? Is that a chance you could do that? Sit with them, sit with them, sit with them. No, listen, it's a journey. I'm so grateful that they're doing this thing about, let's not get caught in like, let's just remember two feet in, whatever Jesus is saying, two feet in. Don't, don't run away. Let's just keep asking questions. Let's keep our hearts open to the Lord. I don't understand it all either, but I just want to, I want to line myself up with Jesus wherever that is. I'm not even talking about what I'm not going to do. I just want to talk about right now what I'm going to do. What I want to start doing is align myself up. Did you have one quick, then we're going to pray and we can go eat. I forgot one other thing because I said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He also created one of the most beautiful or the most beautiful angel. It was his worship leader. His name was Lucifer. And one day he said, I'm going to be like the most high or I will be like the most high. He's a liar, a thief, a murderer, and he's a counterfeiter. And he's counterfeited with Easter. He's counterfeited with Santa Claus, Halloween, and on down the line. Okay, Sally, did you have something? Yeah, Sally wants to say something real quick. We're getting there, guys. We're really getting there. No, you're fine. You, I'm you not going to be long. Uh, it's a day of resurrection for everything. And he said, we have left our first love. He's bringing us back. You can't, don't be guilty. Listen with your heart and you will receive. He said, it's, a, it's like Lazarus on the, it's the third day when Jesus was raised, when Lazarus was raised. Yeah. And he said he'd finish the good work he began on us. Yeah. So keep listening, yeah. you know, not being guilty. I, I've been guilty all my life and I'm not <laughs> You're anymore. not gonna do it anymore. Okay, we're on a journey. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We want to put you first. We love you, Jesus. We don't want to be religious, but we want to, we want to be followers of the way. We're followers. That's what we want to do. We want to follow you, Jesus. So show us how we can do that. Lord, keep our hearts tender towards one another. Lord, we, would re we resist um, disunity. We resist it. So, Lord, help each person in, in our, wherever we're at in the journey that we would keep unity. Lord, keep love and keep you in the center of everything that we do. Lord, we pray that you would bless the meal. We thank you that you placed us on a day where we can continue the conversation downstairs. Um, Lord, we ask that you would um, bless the Ortiz family as we celebrate a birth in their family downstairs. We love you, Jesus, and we love one another. Amen.